Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 579 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba. Alongside Brandon Piller up in the Blue Mountains and throughout this week, we're going to project the RFA contracts for Matthew Joseph, Alex Formanton, and Eric Brancher. But today, we're starting with the newcomer, Matthew Joseph. And Ross, we continue our prospect profile countdown, and we're getting into the teens today, including an Austrian prospect. Oh, all that coming up, plus the Senators looking to add to their front office. We'll tell you who said that and who could be a good candidate. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.net. More props, odds, and lines than ever before. Visit BetOnline.net, where the game starts. And now the show starts this is the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Senators your first listen. On this Monday, June 13th, we are free and available on all platforms, including on YouTube. Where the best way you can help the show grow is to like the video by clicking the thumbs up below. Subscribe to the Locked On Senators YouTube channel. We've had a great push of subscribers. We'll tell you a little contest we're doing later on in the show. And leave a comment below. The comment we want to know today is who would be the best fit to join the Senators front office. Pilsy, Elliot Friedman, in intermission of the last playoff game said they're looking to add. Stop me if you've heard this before. I mean, they need to add. So that's uh, that's great that we're hearing that throughout uh, reporter circles. But it still saddens me, Ross, that Jason Spezza chose to go with the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, for his front office job after retiring. I really th- thought and hoped that he would come to Ottawa. I think it would have made so much sense. That you could tell, like, even years ago, Ross, everybody had Jason Spezza pegged as a front office guy, assistant general manager. It just makes so much sense. He thinks the game. He's able to, uh, you know, give a perspective of, hey, I just recently retired. I know what's going on in these locker rooms. I understand the playing field and what's happening. So that sucks that he will not be coming to Ottawa. Hopefully he doesn't help the Leafs too much and they continue their ways. 39th birthday for Jason Spezza. We've already waxed poetically about his time in Ottawa a couple weeks ago when he retired. That was the same episode we had uh, Jonas Sogard on the show. Mad's younger brother, or older brother, sorry. So um, if you missed that, go check it out. But of course, Spezza would have been a great candidate for a front office role. We got a lot of replies on Twitter at Send Central asking for Cheryl Pounder, which would have come on the heels, or which would come, because, of course, there is no announcement. It could still be possible. We'd be the losers in that situation for one reason, though. Her analysis is unbelievable. I want her on the intermissions for as long as possible. And on her podcast. Selfishly, of course. Yeah, she'll be back. Friend of the show. Absolutely. We'd be so thrilled for her if she got that type of gig. The same one, I think, you would give her what Marie-Philippe Poulain got in Montreal, player development role, just kind of an extra voice in the room, very innovative with her thought process. I think it would be a great hire. Of course, 
you're not going to give her president of hockey operations. No offense, Cheryl, but I think she would understand that you'd want someone who's maybe a little more familiar with the Senators from years past. Uh, Daniel Alfredson, maybe. I mean, he said at the golf tournament a couple of years ago, if he would come back to work for front office, it would be Ottawa. And guess what? It's been two weeks since that statement. And now we're getting the little uh, breadcrumbs coming out throughout saying that, oh, they want to add. Well, they've got a pretty knowledgeable hockey mind just down the street. But, I mean, he's made it known that he's interested in coaching as well. Maybe he goes the Martin St. Louis route uh, going from coaching his kids all the way to the NHL. So I don't know if that's going to be a fit anymore. And Alfie did have a brief stint with Ottawa. Didn't go the way anyone expected. But, hey, it's a time for a new chapter. That's definitely something that could be on the table. And after what happened with Pierre Maguire in Ottawa, the Senators need to bounce back from that. I mean, it seemed like something that could work. Obviously, the role was not defined. Pierre Maguire didn't really do what fans and what we were told he was going to do. The a moves little bit that of he everything. had his fingers on. Yeah, a little bit of everything, but not much of anything. That's what it kind of <laughs> seems like, no? And the the moves that he did have his fingers on, the Del Zotto, the Hamannick, uh deals and signings, eh, still... Yeah. Still not uh, not a great look. So obviously things need to move forward. I think Pierre Dorian wanted his own space without Pierre Maguire kind of lurking over a shadow. And Pierre Dorian wants to hire his own people. We know now that Maguire was mainly a Melnick hire just to kind of have some extra someone extra there with Dorian. But you, it, it's it's classic organization like and businesses. Things trickle down from the top. If you don't have the top set properly then that's going to find its way down through the, the on-ice product. And I mean, Brady Kachuk and Thomas Spott, they mentioned it. Here are some things at the end of the year that we need so we can feel like we can be successful. And if the guys at the top aren't able to provide those things, it's it's not going to happen for them. And that, that can't happen for the Sens culture now that they're in a period where it's like, okay, we had our time rebuilding. We had our time with low expectations. They're supposed to be in year two of years of unparalleled success. Last year, by my definition, was not a year of unparalleled success. So they got to get going on that. November was unparalleled failure. What was it? One win in 13 games? One win in an entire month. And then after we were like, hey, we should cover this team after games too. (laughs) Yeah, let's get more coverage on this team. But hey, they did turn things around at that point. They certainly did. And just like they did at the end of the 2020 season, they finished off on the right foot going in. To the summer now is there any carryover no we learned that the hard way last season the first 20 games is going to be crucial but you're right it's it's time this offseason but like I'm cautiously optimistic everything that I've heard about Anna and Olivia Melnick it seems like they're they've got their foot on on the pulse of what needs to happen here going forward of course there's uh layers to that Pierre Dorian has to make the right moves and DJ Smith has to deploy the right players on the ice but all that is coming up after contracts Get sorted out. We know the Senators have four RFAs of note. A couple, uh, ha- I've been told they aren't going to be qualified, including Victor Mete. But with Josh Norris, we've covered that in depth. You can go find, we went over it with Ian Mendez. We've gone over comparables. Josh Norris, I think we've pretty well figured out what needs to happen. A long-term deal, what the number's going to be. But Matthew Joseph, to me, is Ooh. fascinating. So after a quick word, Pilsy, uh, from your friends, you probably just finished your Athletic Greens this morning. Um, then we'll get into some comparables for Matthew Joseph before we turn to our draft rankings that are into the teens, Pilsy. We're into the teens already. 
Yep, it's uh, it's great to be that far down in the draft. And something that's important, uh, getting your prospect profile, watching in every day or listening for the listeners, something just as important as that for a daily routine is getting your AG1 from Athletic Greens in every day, guys. That's how I start my days anyways. It's simple. I don't have the time to uh, have all my vitamins lined up and to make sure I'm getting everything I need in the morning before I start recording. So, The easiest way for me to get what I need health-wise is one scoop of AG1 in my cup of water before breakfast. It's so simple. You're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and more so you can start your day off right, guys. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you're keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it's good for you. Contains less than a gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. That's why I love it. And it's a great part of your routine that will cost more than your daily coffee habit. It's less than $3 a day and you're investing in your health. So make sure you're investing in an all-in-one nutritional insurance. Right now, it's your time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in your cup of water every day. That's it. It's simple. To make it even more simple, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, it's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance from Athletic Greens. All right, Pilsy. So we announced on Twitter yesterday at Send Central. You can follow the show there. Also on TikTok. Don't know how active we'll be there, but my dog created an account. I got to see what he's up to. So you can go follow us there at Send Central as well on Instagram, LockedOn.Senators. Please subscribe to Locked On Senators on YouTube channel and you will be eligible if we hit a lofty goal of 2,500 subscribers by Canada Day. We're going to buy out of our own pocket. One subscriber, a brand new Ottawa Senators jersey. They're so beautiful. And we wanted to mix things up a little bit because I know Pilsy and I are going to make the pilgrimage to the Ralph next year. And I know Pilsy's going to get himself a Jake Sanderson, North Dakota jersey. So we thought it would be fun to let another subscriber pick a prospect jersey. Like, if we can get our hands on it, if you want like a Thomas Shabbat St. John Sea Dog jersey, like how sick would that be to rock it there? If you want the Barber Poles, the 67s with Tyler Boucher on the back, we'll, we're going to make that happen for you. If you want a Parker Kelly, we saw our boy Ben from Saskatchewan. Yep. He put out the Parker Kelly Prince Albert Raiders. If you want to <laughs> get the mayor of Prince Albert too, Carson Latimer, anyone who you want a prospect jersey, I don't think we can get our hands on a Tim Stutzla um, a jersey from, from his Mannheim. time in Mannheim. <laughs> but that's the type of, of thing we want to do. I think it'd be fun. It'd be unique, a little bit different. So help us get to that push to 2,500 subscribers by Canada Day, and we're going to make that happen for you, the listener. And, hey, that sends jersey. If you want to make it Mathieu Joseph, you Ooh. certainly can, which brings us to our next point. What type of deal are you thinking for Mathieu Joseph, the poor guy, man? He's probably seeing this pop up if he name searches. He's like, man, my former team just made the Stanley Cup Finals for a third straight year. And here I am talking about my next contract. He is arbitration eligible. He was making under $800,000 last year, Pilsy. Clearly, he's due for a raise. But the question is, 
how much this is a player who is two years away from unrestricted free agency. Yeah, this is going to be a very interesting contract because I I would assume Matthew Joseph and his agent were comfortable taking a hometown discount to play in Tampa. And both of those years that he took those discounts, oh yeah, they won the Stanley Cup. So I, I have my two Stanley Cup rings shoved in my ear. Yeah, I mean, he didn't play in the first one, but he did get a handful of games playing in the ring. second one. Yep. Yeah, still get still gets ring. Yep. Um and that had to be the toughest playoff to be a black ace for yes. in the bubble. Oh my god. That's that's the thing. When everyone says it's a Mickey Mouse uh ring, I, I think that's so far from the truth. I think that twenty twenty cup was the hardest one to win because they had to battle adversity like never before for oh, Stanley yeah. Cup playoffs. So definitely I put a lot of emphasis on that. And look, you you mentioned it. He's has one more year of uh, restricted free agency. So that's the one-year route. Yeah. Two years, takes him to UFA, and beyond two years, you're eating up UFA years. So I think, really, the conversations need to go, all right, how is this contract going to look if it's a one-year, whether it's settled right before arbitration, which the Sens have done before, settled by arbitration, uh, or two years, taking him to UFA, or you're looking at a longer-term contract. I wouldn't expect either party would want to go more than four years. I would say probably three years makes the most sense if they're going to do that. So those are the three types of avenues we need to look at here when discussing Matthew Joseph's contract possibilities. Well, he was traded along with a fourth-round pick for Nick Paul, who's 27 years old, two years older, and again, going into unrestricted free agency for the first time in his career. And we all know... The numbers were leaked. Although they don't negotiate through the media, the numbers were leaked. Four years, $2.6 million per year was the offer for Nick Paul. Do you think that contract identically could be on the table right now for Matthew Joseph? I would say you're probably close in the range. I think it it makes sense. Maybe that's a a starting point. Like I said, I don't think four years either party is really going to want to do. Especially if I'm Matthew Joseph, I don't want to do a four-year deal. Just as I'm about to, I'm on the cusp of being a top six forward. I had a great, sure, small sample size, but I had a great sample size with my new team. Um, So I I would think he's probably wanting to do a shorter-term deal so that he can re-up again quicker. Now, that's where the opportunity cost comes in too, right? Because he could sign a one-year deal, but then all of a sudden, if Ottawa goes out and let's say a perfect offseason happens, they get two top six forwards, which I, I doubt it. But again, Drew's kind of the wild card in all this. And all of a sudden, he's back in a bottom six role. Yep. He's not going to be making that jump point-wise, which say what you want about other assets, facets of the game, but that's where it comes down to for contract negotiations, a big part of it is, okay, what was your production? And yeah, his production was great in Ottawa, 12 points in 11 games. Now, if I was a cynic of his, which I'm not, I do think that he has an extra gear offensively that he's going to continue bringing. Seven of his 12 points, Pilsy, came against the Detroit Red Wings in those two games. Yeah, and he did have a point four-game point streak where he had 10 points, and uh, the Red Wings games were a part of that, obviously. So, And, and that's fair. I mean, you got to look at the, those things. They're going to look at those things if they go to arbitration, of course. I, I think, um, and Ross, we were talking about this b- before we went uh, on air here, I think a really good contract comparable is Dennis Giriyanov. He just signed a new deal. He's 25 years old as well. He just signed a one-year deal for 2.9. And he's coming off a, a two-year deal of 2.55. 
So I think somewhere in that range makes a lot of sense because they're similar similar players. He just had uh, three straight years of he had 29 points, 30 points, and 31 points. So he's getting a, a point uh, extra every year. So good on Garyanov. <laughs> that's improvement. You love to see it. But I think that's around the range that you're looking for Joseph. So, but then you got to consider Garyanov's last contract was at 2.5. So that's your base. Right. Joseph's contract, last contract was league minimum, uh, right around 800,000. So that's his base. But I think him and his agent could definitely get some leverage and uh, get a bump there. I would think if they do like an arbitration one year type thing, it's in the low twos, maybe 2.1, 2.2 for one year. And then if you're looking at, at two years, I've got it closer to 2.5. And if you're looking at three years, I've got it somewhere between 2.5 and 3 mil. Yeah, I think those are all pretty reasonable. Uh, now, a couple weird ones, maybe you could say, but that would make a little bit of sense. Like Alexander Barabanov just signed a two-year extension with the San Jose Sharks at 2.5 per year. Now he doesn't have the consistency of being like, okay, 28 points, 28 points, 28 points, but he popped off for 39 last year and still only managed to get that number. And he was a, a pending UFA. Now, if we're going the RFA route, the closest contract comparable that I could find now Gurianov's great, but that's only a one-year contract, right? Mm -hmm. I think both sides would benefit at least two years because then if you're Joseph, you're not having to deal with potential arbitration all over again. You're actually going right to UFA. I think three years is probably the sweet spot for both parties because that way the Sens can feel like, okay, a part of the reason we wanted this trade to go through is the controllable asset. Well, you lose that control if you just walk them right to unrestricted free agency. And you don't want to have to go through the negotiation process again. I do think three years makes the most sense. And oh, would you look at that? Another player with similar production just signed a three-year contract this past year, and it's kicking in starting in 2022-23. And that player is Jordan Greenway from the Minnesota Wild. Now his contract is three years, three million per. Okay, so that's on the high end. And Greenway, of course, we know is a physical beast. Like he's a kind of guy, he's going to run guys over a little more than Joseph does. But Joseph probably brings an extra element with this penalty killing ability. So I think that that's a pretty reasonable comparison. They're both at um, at 25 years old right now. Uh, Greenway had his first taste of NHL action a little earlier. He's already at 272 games played, whereas Joseph is at 230 games played. But 27 points in 62 games was Greenway this past season, whereas Joseph hit 30 in a similar amount of games, 69 games for Joseph. So the production itself is super similar in this case. And I don't know if I'd love that. I think that might be a tiny bit high, but it's also structured 2.5 million in year one, 3.5 million in year two, and then 3 million in year three with an eight-team no-trade clause. If this was the announced contract, what would be your initial reaction to that? It's a little high for me as well. Uh, And Ross, another point of reference for the Greenway contract, I'm on his cap friendly right now, is his last contract, very similar to Giryanov, was a two-year deal at 2.1 average. So again, you're starting at a higher floor for these guys when you're starting negotiations. Now I'm sure Joseph and his agent will say, well, yeah, we took a hometown discount playing in Tampa. But Great. did he but did he really? Like he was coming off when he signed that contract, thirty seven or uh, sorry, his two year deal. So he was coming off uh yeah, thirty seven games, four goals, three assists. Like that was his least productive year in the NHL. So I just don't think he had much bargaining power. Yeah, but you're also looking he's yeah, he's lower in the lineup. 
Um, you know you're going to get good experience playing in Tampa. And, I mean, to go from your entry-level contract to basically signing a two-year deal for the same amount of uh, money, AAV, it, I don't think that happens very often. So it's going to be interesting to see how this goes. But yeah, I, I think that is going to be one um, one thing that they look at here. So I think for Giryanov and Greenway, you're looking on the lower side of things just because, yeah, he hasn't had as much time playing in a top or middle six role like uh, those guys would have with their respective teams. But now he's kind of penciled in as a top six forward. So that kind of bumps that up a little. So I, I think it's going to be interesting. I would say a, a good deal all around would be three years at 2.5. Okay, three years at 2.5. So just a shade under what the Sens got Anton Forsberg at as uh, he signed for three years at 2.75. Yeah, which is crazy for a number one goalie, essentially. Yeah, goalie. That, that value is insane. Now, uh, Dom Lecician from The Athletic, he puts out these player cards. No, they're not gospel. Just like another uh, random player card provider with uh, no information but taken from others. That to say, uh, the market value they have for Matthew Joseph's contract, Pilsy, here is 4.4 based on an extremely high defensive rating is kind of where they have him pegged. I think Sens fans saw a bit of that, but mostly were impressed with the hat trick against Detroit. You know, that four-game point streak we mentioned where he had 10 of his 12 points. I'm a bit wary of that when it comes his offensive production, especially when he spent such a big chunk of his time in Ottawa playing with Brady Kachuk and Josh Norris while Drake Batherson was still working his way back into the lineup. But defensively, at the very least, I think he can be a third-line guy who kills penalties. So to get that at 2.5, I think is pretty reasonable at his age. But let us know in the comments what you think. What kind of contract do you think Mathieu Joseph can get? And we'll bet on that at betonline.net, the one spot to have all of your gambling needs. It's betonline.net. So when we're talking about hockey, yeah, that's great. Stanley Cup Finals about to go. They got lots of props for that. But you can also bet on the NBA Finals and anything else going on in the sporting world. Betonline.net has you covered. More props, odds, and lines. Player performance props. Also, this coaching carousel has to stop sometime. Right? Somebody's got to hire someone. So go to betonline.net and check out all the handicapped of who could coach where. Head to the website today or your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. It's betonline.net where the game starts. All right, Pilsy. So it will be interesting to see what kind of contract Matthew Joseph gets. Stay tuned. On Wednesday, we're going to do Alex Formanton. And on Friday, we're going to do Eric Branstrom. So we're going to spread out throughout the week. We're going to do RFA talk for, well, you just heard Joseph. We're going to do Formanton and Branstrom. So you can let us know your thoughts on those players coming up as well. But for now, Pilsy, back to our NHL draft rankings. All right, coming in at number 20 on our Locked On Senators draft rankings, we're going back to the U.S. National Team Development Program. How many of these players are going to go in the top two rounds? We've got right-wing sniper Jimmy Snuggerud. Jimmy Snuggerud, yet another great name to add on to uh, to our list here. Yeah, and this is... Ross, this is another Minnesota guy. Who I, I'm blanking on it. Who was the other guy from Chaska, Minnesota? He played oh, high school uh, there as Rinzel. well. Okay, yes. I was like, I know we had another Minnesota guy, and 
Wouldn't you know it, Ross? Jimmy Snuggerud is committed to the University of Minnesota. They guys can't leave there. They don't want to. I'm surprised, surprised he didn't play more for his high school team because they just become local legends and they don't want to leave. And for good reason. I mean, his his dad uh, went to uh, his grandpa went to Minnesota too. Yeah, it's a family thing. So I don't oh, think yeah. there was uh, any. And he uh, hummed and hawing about where he was going to go. And his dad played four years in the NHL. And it was actually the captain of the University of Minnesota. So some family pedigree in the area as well. He is a sniper. Like, for just watching his plays, offensive weapon. He's ranked as high as ninth on Craig Button's list. He's 19th for Bob McKenzie. And the rest have him in the 20s. Tony Ferrari left him off his top 32. Elite Prospects has him at 24. Scott Wheeler and Chris Peters at 26. And Corey Prodman at 27. So that nine is doing a lot of work for Craig Button to push Snuggerud up into the range. We have him here at 20th overall. This past year with the under-18 team at the program, 59 games, 24 goals, 39 assists for 63 points. Pilsy, I was watching game tape with Tony. And Ferrari was asking him, like, what is it about your game and how are you? He's like the perfect complimentary player is yeah. kind of what I'm getting at. Like, I think he needs guys on his line who can figure out how to control pace a little bit. But once he gets into a spot, he's comfortable. Like he started last year and the U.S. program shifts around their lines a lot. But he started last year with Frankie Nazar, who we know is going to be a top 10 pick or top 15. He's got a yeah. couple questions, but super talented player. He was up on a line with him. Then he gets moved down to the line with Cutter Gauthier and um, Cole Spicer, who yep. uh, is going to go later in this draft. And that's more of a power line. And he was able to kind of fit in to both lines. I see him as a bit of a chameleon. He said, like, put me on the fourth line, the first line. I'll figure out a way to make my game effective based on the players I'm playing with, based on who I'm playing against. I just think this guy is going to make a contending team happy. I think he's probably going to go – in the range we have him, if not maybe a touch later, but he's the kind of guy you put him with the right players, he's going to snap offensively. Yeah, and I think what came to mind, Ross, when you said a complimentary, complimentary player is, remember when we were talking about uh, Philip Meshar and we were saying this guy brings the puck into the zone, but he just yeah. he, he can't finish anything. He Snuggerud would be the perfect guy to play with Meshar. Like, he, he needs someone to get the puck into the zone for him, set it up, get himself into open space, and then he's able to finish off this play. And that's what it just seemed like. Like, he's he's got that big, heavy shot. At the U18s, he had seven points in six games. And what he's really done, too, is he's added to that shot. So he's not just a big shot. He's improved on his skating a lot, too. McKean's Hockey was mentioning how he really changed from his U17 season, where he was kind of doing quick, choppy strides, which wasn't really working for him. He's now using longer, more powerful strides, and that allows him to start carrying the puck into the zone on his own. But also, he can chip and chase with the best of them. Like, he can chip it off the boards and go around the player wide and beat him to that puck in the corner to start playing the O-zone by himself. So I think with Snuggerud, he's definitely finding ways to become more useful rather than just a big shot. So Chris Peters mentioning kind of on that note as well, he's a down low force with work ethic that doesn't relent. He always does the dirty work on his line. He's always in there digging for pucks and what he's improved in his skating is just going to help him more in transition because that's probably why some of these scouts are a little lower on him. Elite shot, but what I wonder is his shot selection, I saw out of his, what, 34 goals I said, a lot of them are like wristers from 
pretty far out. So like, are those going to beat NHL goalies or is he going to have to mix in some extra tricks into his bag so that he can get to the next level? Now, Bob Motzko, the head coach with Minnesota, kind of the opposite of Minnesota Duluth where Duluth is super defensive and Minnesota allows so much creativity in their game. So I think this is the perfect landing spot for him to go next year and really build on an already solid base. Now, Scott Wheeler mentioned that he puts out a poll to all the USNTDP kids. Who's your most underrated teammate? And Snuggaroo came up. The other guy who came up, funny enough, is uh, Merrick Hayduk, Milan Hayduk's son. Um, But Snuggaroo right there as well as a guy who, he just goes, he just goes. He's versatile. Again, like I mentioned, you can play on any line and he's going to find a way to make an impact so i i love him as a player i think he's going to make a team really happy his down low play is perfect uh dangerous one-timer as well catch and shoot but the skating again it's better but pilsey that's the one area where to be an nhler he's going to need probably two three years just to keep working on that skating yeah i would agree and anytime you you've got a prospect that needs some time to develop and they're committed to a great program like university of minnesota you're not too worried about it. If anything, you're stoked about that. You're like, okay, we can stash him away at a great development spot and get some free development from a, a great program. And and somewhere where he's going to be happy and he's going to want to flourish. And he's he's got a family name to make proud in that area. So he's going to be doing everything he can to uh, do well there. And the thing too, Ross, is a lot of scouts are saying that same thing, that he's so underrated, but he's also pretty good defensively too. Now, I, d- I didn't find too many specifics, but all scouts kind of said, hey, he's got this big shot, but he's not just uh, 100% offense and just cheating at the blue line waiting to get a shot off. He's working hard defensively as well. So that's a big part of why I think he's going to get more chances to be in big moments here. And I-, I like I like him a lot. Like the fact that every team needs at least one finisher, if not two, because you want your second power play unit to have a finisher on it as well. So I think uh, Snuggerud could find himself uh, maybe maybe not quite on a top power play unit, Ross, but I think we could see him being the finisher on a second unit. Well, Corey Prodman said he's the type of player that you can build a power play unit around, which yeah. is a huge compliment. And then his player comparable for him is Tanner Pearson, which, again, maybe not the best skater, but great shot, has produced offensively. Yeah. 100%. I, I see the same type of projection yep. um, with Snuggerud. I think that he can be a guy that contributes, you know, 20, 25 goals, maybe 40% of them on the power play, but you need players like that. And to pull up his uh, his Elite Prospects page, if you're watching on YouTube, he is uh, a later birthday in this draft, June 1st. So he just turned 18 at the yep. start of June. He is a uh, six foot two, 185 pounds. So he's got a big frame here that he can continue to allow. And I, I see him, yeah, as that Tanner Pearson type, he'd probably need to play it like 200 pounds, be a little bit more physical. And I think he's got it in him here. You see the uh, the pedigree there, the father, brother, sister, uncle, cousin, grandfather. <laughs> wow. uh, whole family tree uh, is playing hockey. When you're from Minnesota, you kind of expect that. Um, has played great the last two years. You like how he was kind of even in his production, both in goals and assists in his first year with the program. And then here in the second year, just exploded his point total to over a point per game. Got a great plus minus on there as well. And now he'll take his talents to the University of Minnesota after a solid world under 18 where he had seven points in six games. Yeah, I, I think he, he's uh, really set himself up for success here. He's worked hard to improve from that U17 season, like you mentioned. And 
this might be one of the greatest years ever for the U.S. program. I mean, it seems like every other prospect, Ross, we're talking about since we got to, like, rank 40 is a U.S. guy. Yeah, I think we pro- we say maybe the top five in terms of a mess. Yes. Because they don't have, like, that Jack yep. Hughes or Trevor Zegers Agreed. or Brady Kachuk, although he was drafted out of Boston University the year after. But in terms of the sheer number, like I'm pretty sure we talked about five of their six defenders. Yeah. And then we've covered pretty much, or we're going to cover their top two lines. Yeah. Easily. Definitely a great year for the U S program. Now, Ross, I I, stars. Yeah. Some big time. I I think there's some potential here. Like I said, I think he's going to be the finisher on a second power play. You know, he's got a decent two way game. I think he's probably going to go somewhere between 18 and 25 uh, pick-wise, Ross. That's kind of where I have uh, have him slated. So that's an awkward spot for the Sens to snatch him, whether they trade up or down. I don't think it's really going to happen. So for, for that point, I gave him three stars uh, for me, three Sens stars. I like the shot, like the potential, but I don't see a scenario where the, where the Sens go after him. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, we know they love the program. Yeah. So that could always, and they are looking for a finisher. I'm going three and a half stars for for Snuggerud. I think that he would be a complimentary piece as kind of I started out this whole rant. And if he's the selection, I'll talk myself into into him being three, four years down the road, a guy who can throw on Timmy's wing and maybe when Drew retires. Yeah, that works out nicely. Just just throw him in there. He'll be the buffer. But in all seriousness, I almost said sneeriousness because we got (laughs) Snuggerud on the mind. But I I think that he's going to be a, He's definitely going to be an NHLer in my mind, even if the skating is is so so. He's just when you have a weapon like like he does in his shot and work ethic down low, he's a guy who's going to play in the NHL. So I've got Jimmy Snuggerud at three and a half stars. All right, coming in at number nineteen on our locked on Senators draft rankings, we're into the teens officially, Woo. and we are going to the lone Austrian. On our list, he's been playing in the SHL. As we've talked, a lot of these kids have been playing a few games at the SHL level, but not number 19 from Rogla. We've got Marco Casper. Marco Casper, the Austrian. Ross, only three other Austrians have been drafted in the first round. Do you know those three? Probably. Thomas Vanek. I'm already running out. Who else? Marco Rossi. Most oh, recently. I should have had. I think one. I thought you were going to have that one, and then this one you probably wouldn't get. But don't forget Michael Grabner. Okay, Grabner, great, uh, great player in his prime. I I really liked him. And speaking of Austrian players, uh, Marco Casper's dad, Peter Casper, played a long career in Austria, and um, a lot of Marco's time, like you mentioned, in Sweden was spent in the SHL, which is really rare for a young foreign prospect to get that much of a look in the SHL rather than the J20 League. And he's made the most of it there. And what I really like about Casper uh, Ross is this guy is motivated off the ice as well. Wheeler talked about how when he was preparing to come to Sweden, he spent all summer learning how to speak Swedish. Now, I'm not sure the the um, language transition from speaking German in Austria to going to speak Sweden in Sweden. I'm not a Swedish in Sweden. I'm not sure how easy that is, but to learn an entire language in a summer is pretty damn impressive. Cause look, this is a guy. He was like for my hockey career to flourish. I need to be playing well in Sweden. I need to learn the language. I need to figure my stuff out. And that's exactly what he did. And uh, in the SHL 46 games, he had seven goals, four assists, good for 11 points. 
Now we have him listed as a centerman here. So does U.S. Central, or so does the NHL Central scouting. But it is worth noting, and Wheeler points out in his draft rankings that he played exclusively on the wing this season, which you'd expect playing against men. But the fact he played 46 games in the top league in Sweden is super impressive. He's six foot one, 187 pounds, and he's ranked on Corey Pronman's list as high as ninth, and he's ranked on Tony Ferrari's list as low as 30th. He's 29th for Bob McKenzie, 24th for Scott Wheeler, 17th for Bob McKenzie and elite prospects, and 12th on Chris Peters' list. To show you he does have some offense, we made note that playing in the J20 League, he had 13 points in 12 games with Rogla's J20 squad. He was the captain of Team Austria at the ever-so-short World Juniors, which will resume in August. He'll already have an NHL affiliate by then, though, Pilsy. What will that team expect from Marco Casper down the road? Well, he plays a good physical game, and he, I would say of all the of the prospects we've covered so far, he's going to be one of the most pro-ready guys. He's already playing solid minutes in pro leagues. And, Ross, not only uh, that, but he also got a decent look at the World Championship. He had seven games, yes. and... You're going up against legit NHL talent. You're going up against some some of the best in the world in that uh, and playing with, and playing with not exactly. Much. So he and he had two points in seven games, not too bad. Was Balsers there, your boy? He must have been. Yeah, he he must have been. But Balsers, uh, he plays for Latvia, not Austria. Oh damn! Close, close. There you go. Uh, <laughs> but sick job. Yeah, man. and uh, Marco Casper. <laughs> just to get back on track with him, what I noticed from watching some of his highlights is he's an aggressive forechecker. Like he is chasing oh, yeah. down opponents. He is hounding down these guys. And the reason he's able to play at a pro level so soon, Ross, is because of he's got a good frame. Six foot one, hundred and eighty three pounds. And he uses his size to protect the puck when he's carrying it. And he he's make he's so physical that he makes his opponents react quick and make hasty decisions. Like they see him on the ice, they see him coming at them with speed, and they're like, I gotta get rid of this before I get crushed. And what what happens is when you constantly have guys thinking like that. They're not going to be making uh, smart, good decisions. And you're going to be turning that puck over or you're going to be allowing your teammates to turn that puck over more often than not. And I think that's Marco Casper's biggest attribute is his ability to put teams on their heels, keep them on their on their toes and keep them honest. Extremely strong four checker, competes ridiculously hard, high motor, hits everything, ball of hate. Those are the adjectives. (laughs) Those are the adjectives that I would use to describe him. He's going to be a type of centerman at the NHL level or winger if that's where he ends up. I think that that's a very strong possibility for Marco Casper, but he's just going to be such a pain in the ass to play against. And we know the Sens love that. Now, would they love it enough to take him seventh? I hope not. But even still, like in the middle of the to late end of the first round, this is the type of player where I think it's a very high floor, low ceiling type guy. But a guy who I could see on a penalty kill in the NHL level, he skates well. He's got decent hands in tight right in front of the net. But that to say, Elite Prospects was questioning his hockey sense as, as the type of thing like, can he be a top six forward at the NHL level? 
Maybe not. Yeah, and that's fair. I don't really have him pegged as a top six guy, but that doesn't... I, I want to be careful when saying that because I'm not trying to undervalue him. I think he still is going to have right. a lot of value as a uh, bottom six guy just because he's... I find, Ross, he's going to be one of those guys where... I don't know, five, six years down the road when he's playing on a team that's in the playoffs and if they go on a run, you look back and you're like, man, Casper as a third line uh, winger, like he was a part of that depth that allowed this team to go far because he's killing penalties in a seven game series where you're playing the same team over and over and there's that ball of hate like you talked about. That's a guy I want on my bottom six and I'm putting a lot of value on that guy. And uh, although I'm quite sure he's never going to play on a top power play unit, I think he'd be the perfect guy on a second power play unit to stand in front of the net and just cause yep. havoc, like just be a shit disturber out there and not let the other team clear that puck out of the zone quickly because anytime it's a loose puck and you've got the man advantage, he's going to be going hard at that guy to turn it back over and keep it in the zone. So I, I like Casper's game a lot, and I really think it translates to a pro level in a bottom six role. 100%. He also played 13 playoff games this year in the yep. SHL. Great experience. He had three goals and three assists. So he more than halved his production in 46 games in 13 playoff games. So you wonder if that means that when the games get more intense, it just fits his role even better. Or was he just getting more comfortable? This is a guy who only turned 18 on April 8th. And all of a sudden, you know, now he's starting to, you know, get into his rhythm, feel good about his game. And and next thing you know, the offense starts popping. Now, in his last 10, he only had one goal, two assists. But I believe some of that was at the World Championships. Of course, it was seven games there, only the two assists. But such a projectable player, Pilsy. Such a guy where you could just see him on a third line, killing some penalties, maybe standing in front of the net on the power play. And then all of a sudden, he'll come up with a big goal when uh, when you when you least expect it. Now, I'm curious, as I'm pulling up right now, what do you think for a player comparable? Where, where do you think that Corey Pronman went because we're using his player comparables so that Pilsy doesn't have to deal with your step and thoughts again. But how's this for one? Sam Bennett as, as a type of player. Now we know that Corey Pronman is higher on him than anybody yeah. else having him ninth on his rankings, but I see the prototype like a, a, a little bit undersized, like six foot six one, but that to say he is compete level off the charts. I think, Ross, you're probably, if you're looking at Casper, just me personally, you're probably getting the Calgary Flames, Sam Bennett, and yes, not the yes, Florida yeah. Panthers, Sam Bennett. You know Fair. what I mean? And, and hey, again, I don't want to knock that because I'm looking at Sam Bennett's Hockey DB, and for one, two, three, four straight years, he had over 25 points. He's double digits in goals and assists. So for a bottom six guy playing that defense-minded uh, type hockey, that's that's yep. solid production, and uh, it's interesting to note too that um, Wheeler tweeted out that Casper spoke with thirty teams at the combine, wow. Dallas and Carolina being the only two he did not speak with. So I think everybody's got his range all over the place, and everybody is at least interested in knowing a little bit more about Marco Casper from Innsbruck, Austria. The April eighth birthday is a left shot, so. I would project him as a left winger yes, in, in the future. And he got a got a championship here uh, with the Champions Hockey League where it's similar to the Champions League in soccer where it's different teams from different leagues uh, across Europe. They come together. So gets a little bit of a taste of a championship. Nothing wrong with that. Put up comedy numbers growing up in Austria. <laughs> 63 points in 22 games. How about this? Nine goals in 30 games. Okay, cool. Oh, wait. 63 assists in 30 games? <laughs> 
just setting up his teammates for success there. Already got his first taste of pro hockey Pillsy when he was 14 to 15, like wow, in that yeah. range, playing in the top league in Austria. And then they were like, you know what? You got two points in three games playing in the top league. Okay, maybe you should go take your talents to Sweden and play against tougher competition. Goes there, plays under the, the uh, U18s, eight points in seven games. Okay, maybe we'll even give you a taste as a, as a double underager. Pills, you played 10, 16 if you include playoff games in the SHL as a 16 turning 17-year-old. This guy, you mentioned it, pro-ready, and I think that that's why I have him up at three and a half stars as well because you know what? Maybe the offense won't come at the NHL. I don't see him as a 50-point no. guy at the NHL level, but as a complimentary piece. Now the question is, how much value does that have in this draft? Are you taking a guy you expect to be a bottom six guy in the first round that's what team's gonna have to decide or is there an extra layer of offense that's untapped but the maturity's there and i think he'll be an nhler before some guys that we're doing coming up on our rank. and i want to touch on that maturity too because one thing that a lot of scouts highlighted about casper is his discipline like for a young kid playing in pro leagues to be going out there and banging bodies every shift, you'd think he'd pick up a couple crappy penalties where he just gets off the rails a little. Yeah, He doesn't do that. So that's why a coach can trust him. And I really think Marco Casper, he's not going to go to a rebuilding team. He's not going to go to a team trying to bump up their prospect pipeline. He's going to go to a team that's like, hey, we're on the cusp of playoffs here. We're up against the cap. Right. This is a guy we can get in our bottom six for three years at an entry-level contract, and he's going to help us out in the playoffs. I see him going to a team that's looking to contend and looking to bring him up sooner rather than later, and there's a lot of value in that. Uh, I've got him at three and a half stars as well, Ross. I I don't know how the Sens get him, but I think if if they were looking to get a guy like him, a guy with good work ethic, plays a disciplined physical game, and can be pro-ready pretty quickly here – there's a lot of value to that. We'll get back to our draft rankings tomorrow. We're going into, let me get a little teaser up here. Who do we have tomorrow without spoiling it too much? Because now we've got almost, we're just waiting on Bob McKenzie and, and Craig Button really to put out their final rankings. Otherwise, they're all pretty well set. Oh yeah, we've got, the Winnipeg Ice, oh. one of two Winnipeg Ice coming Which up one, on wonder. tomorrow's ranking. We'll, we'll leave that till then. Let's do a quick Stanley Cup prediction. Obviously, the playoffs been fantastic. I've got 12 out of 14 series predictions, right? Me too, Ross. So I'm right there with you. All right. Well, do we have a tiebreaker on our hands here? I don't know which way you're going, but I'm taking the Tampa Bay Lightning in six games. I got Tampa in seven. I, I think Colorado okay. will push them right to the brink. But, Ross, if you're a hockey fan... I think this is the greatest outcome you could want. I would say it's the number one powerhouse in the East going up against the number one powerhouse in the West. This is how things are supposed to work out. Yeah, and we got the rest versus rust debate because it'll be, what, 10 days almost since Colorado finished their sweep of the Edmonton Oilers. And you've got the team that's just on the cusp and they've been pushing and pushing and being pushed down in the second round three years in a row. Against the team that was swept in the first round that hasn't lost since <laughs> since 2020. Honestly, yeah, it's crazy. And it's crazy that we're going from Stanley Cup final with the number one powerhouse in the West to the number one powerhouse in the East. Ross, last year, it was the number one powerhouse in the East versus the team that finished 32nd place. Oh, yeah. And they were both Eastern teams. Like, what yeah. What a change in, uh, in Cup finals here. But, uh, yeah, I, I just... 
when you start going down the line, how do you bet against Tampa Bay, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Stamkos? And it's crazy they're doing this without Braden Point. Like, he's he's arguably their best player at times, and they're doing it without him. Kucherov is incredible. Like, yes, you could go guy for guy with the Colorado Avalanche, but I think where it boils down to is is the goaltending. Is You're, you're not going to beat Vasilevsky. These guys have been to the Stanley Cup Finals. This is now their third straight year. They know how to get it done. Um, I I think they've got a great chance here. But Ross, at betonline.ag, the series prices for the Tampa Bay Lightning to win, plus 155. For the Colorado Avalanche, minus 175. So if you feel the same about the Lightning as we do, time to get a couple uh, shekels on them for a good future bet here. Absolutely. And make sure you're following our boys at Locked On Avalanche and Locked On Lightning. They'll take you through all the ups and downs and the emotion of being a fan at that. We'll be back tomorrow with more thoughts on the Ottawa Senators, more draft rankings, and then later in the week, we're going to continue our RFA projections with Eric Branstrom and Alex Formanton. For today, though, we say goodbye. For Brandon Piller, I'm Ross Levitan. This has been the Locked On Senators Podcast, your team every day.